No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm your host, John Toyson, and with me this week on the podcast, I have Tara Aiken. Tara is one of my oldest friends and uh, just an amazing person, somebody who I have always been, it sounds weird to say big fan of a person, but just I really have nothing but benevolent appreciation for Tara. She's just an awesome person who is uh, somebody I look up to and uh, really try to take inspiration from in my own personal life because she's just very hardworking and very driven and seems to have a really strong sense of herself and what she wants to do in this world, which when somebody who does not have that bumps into that, they really, it's a, it's appealing to say, oh, that's what that looks like when you can have that. Um, Tara's just, uh, somebody who I wanted to talk to you about a number of different things, but she was also kind enough to share some really, uh, intensely personal stuff about loss that she's experienced herself and how that's impacted her understanding of what it means to be a person here on the planet. And, uh, it's not anything that I would wish on anybody, but she was kind enough to share the stories, and uh, I, I never felt more like I had to carefully thread a needle when talking with somebody about uh, matters like this, but that's kind of the point of what I'm doing here, is making sure that this is a subject that can be talked about and making sure that we can be open about it, because as we say during our talk, brushing stuff under the carpet doesn't really help anything. It's You're not going to get better by refusing to acknowledge something. Uh, if, as always, if you've got questions, comments, feedback, concerns, please let me know. Reach out at uh, yourdead2 at gmail.com or yourdead2 on Twitter and Instagram. Certainly findable and Googleable in any myriad number of ways. Uh, happy to hear what people think of the podcast. I'm always appreciating the feedback. If you want to um, subscribe in iTunes or whatever service you're using and leave a review in uh, the service to make sure that people can see it and let them know your thoughts because really uh, I'm happy to do this in a vacuum but it's going to give other people a better sense of what they're stepping into if they know what you think about it so the more people we have talking about it the more people we have putting out some feedback the better it'll be for everybody additionally if you have any suggestions for topics or guests I'm happy to hear them because I am excited to be kind of widening this circle or you know casting a wider net this summer as I'm Talking to more of my friends and family, I also want to be talking to more, um, not strangers, but people who aren't directly in my life who are more in the industry or in the world of death and dying because it's, I can talk to enough people to get personal stories, but certainly there's an entire untapped population out there that has so much to share that I really want to make sure they get the opportunity to do so. Uh, so I've got a couple of fun things planned for hmm, fun, fun in the sense of if you're listening to this podcast, it'll be interesting, but, uh, a couple of interesting things planned for this coming summer here. And, uh, just really excited to see what kind of an adventure we can go on together. So like I said, reach out if you've got any questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, leave a review, leave a rating, um, wherever you can and tell people about it because like I said, I'm happy to do it in a vacuum, but the more people that know about it, the better we'll all do together. It's just like they're weird about that. So. You're in. Well, okay. So first of all, say hi. Hi. And with me today, I have Tara Aiken. Tara is one of my oldest friends. Probably the oldest. No, kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's when you get far enough back, it gets pretty granular to when you can slice stuff. But definitely, I I met Evie before I met you. Correct. Yes. Okay, because with Alex Lair. Other way around. Oh, and she totally I did not know that, actually. Same. I drank that right out of my head. I completely <laughs> forgot. Like, <laughs> oh, we did meet in the... Oh, and I felt like Do a terrible Do you friend. remember the first time we met? Probably not. I remember some very early times. I remember a couple of house parties we went to. Uh, I think Mo was there, too. And, like... I maybe don't even remember the, those spe- the only specific I remember. It was... I was not drinking. I maybe I, because I had a game or something the next day. Yeah, you were driving. And I was driving my mom's car. <gasps> oh no! The PT cruiser. That is what I was thinking about. Oh no! Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I got sick, didn't I? You got sick, but it was not in the car. So you were really winning with that. That was good because 
I I mean, I just had to get the car washed on the outside, and it's fine. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. But surprisingly, John, I don't remember being mad or thinking poorly or Ill, ill of you. When you're 20, it's different versus when you're like 35 now, I'd be mortified and be like, I need to just like burn that car. Yeah, I need to exactly. buy you a new car. Like, oh God, I'm so sorry. But yes, that is exactly the time I thought of. I'm like, oh, she doesn't mean the time I threw up out of her mom's car. <laughs> that is a that thousand time, percent. That time, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we were turning on to Laurel onto my street. Oh, you even remember the street, mm-hmm. see? Because my head was out the window. <laughs> yes, like, which was great. Like that saved me most of the work. Yeah, I it mean, was a left turn and I was in the right passenger seat, so it just really arced out. We must I, have just been practicing somewhat safe driving techniques because you were able to stick your head quite far out the window. Oh my God. By the fact that nothing stayed or got into the car. This is this will change the podcast too. I wish I was dead. Just reacting <laughs> this. I'm not I'm not not proud. Okay, so those embarrassing facts being established, you are oldest and closest friends. You know, I mean, yeah. like, it's just you're a constant in my life. And Evie's known you, I mean, her whole life, right? Whole I mean, life. The fir- and what I, I always like to refer you to as, John, is you're one of the first, like, boyfriends or significant others of my friends that I considered my own friend. Because I remember going to... It was, I don't know if it was Batman or The Dark Knight Rises with you and I think Riley mm-hmm. yeah. at the Minnesota Zoo, I'm maybe IMAX theater. Mm-hmm. You are 100% correct. And I just remember thinking, like, I'm just here with my friends. Like, it wasn't, I'm here with Evie's boyfriend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I remember telling Evie that later and just... I just knew, I was like, this guy's, she's got to keep you. <laughs> yeah, and that's all of my, for anybody listening, all of my college friends were all of my wife's, like, high school and childhood friends before, so there's this Venn diagram of how it overlaps where we're like, she says, I knew them first, and like, I met them before I met you, so it's like this, it's not a competition, but like, it's weird that we have this overlap, but I definitely, that was kind of the same thing of like, Tara, how have you not seen The Dark Knight? We're going to go, let's go Saturday, we're all off of our retail jobs, like, Let's do this. Mm-hmm. We're going. And it was just like, yeah, you are just, you're not my then girlfriend's friend. You're, you are my friend. And that was just like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> like, you what have... a great movie and what a great way to see a good movie, too. Mm-hmm. I mean. I think that closed now, too, that IMAX. Did it? I think so. It was a quite a drive. Yeah. Um, but you are a wonderful person and a general badass and a rock star in a number of ways. You are somebody who I have always looked to in both a personal and professional capacity to get guidance. You know, it's kind of the thing where I see you as a contemporary, but somebody who's doing everything right, so I want to emulate your behavior. <laughs> that puts a lot of... Wow. That's a lot of pressure on me, John. Thanks. <laughs> but we're sitting in my basement right now, and, like, I'm... I feel like this is all just a bunch of red flags of like, you don't have it together yet. Like, no, you are you are a driven woman who is whip smart, hardworking, optimistic, and yet the antithesis of a pushover. Like you are, and this is not in any way a pejorative, but you are just a very strong-willed person. Like mm-hmm. you just are somebody who has a strong sense of self, and I'm always very envious of that. Thanks, John. I feel... I feel like I'm blushing a little bit, a little. I feel like I need a quick, I don't know, <laughs> kick in the head, like a little. little. But your taste in music is terrible. That's the, no, I'm, ah! I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Like, wait, we have similar tastes. We have very similar tastes, <laughs> which is why it's terrible. Now, I, um, I just, I really, I just respect you very much. I remember back when I was first starting my website, back, you know, first iteration yes. years ago, and you and I would just get together over Homeless Pennies. Homeless Pennies. Which had the slickest, sleekest buildup. Like, that was just mwah, primo, like, 2009 website blogging. and Ugh. Homeless pennies. Yeah. Those were the days. And uh, you did a web thing called Tonka Beach for a little bit, too. Yeah, my, my what mini web series and re- what was it, like, fake reality TV show. Mm-hmm. I mean, not fake, very real reality TV show. You were so ahead of the trend on that. <laughs> you were so ahead. That was so spot on. Um, so for, and I could just sit here and just talk with you and just yeah. chit-chat. I honestly, I just, I want to, I want to do just that and catch mm-hmm. up because we haven't seen each other very much lately. But tell the people listening, if you would be so kind, kind of what I, and I use the professional jargon, like 
high level, 10,000 feet, who's, uh, who's Tara Aiken? You want like, my what? elevator speech, oh, John? Oh, God, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, I feel like I haven't even given my elevator speech in a while. Because you're too far in your career. You don't have to pitch yourself anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh. You're yeah. an established adult. Ugh. So, hello, people of the podcast realm. As John says, he probably puts it a little too eloquently and too politely about um, my drive. I think sometimes it can come across what I like to describe it as. I'm a very type A and just keep things in order on the outside but maybe be a little manic sometimes on the inside in the brain you know um I like to say professionally I do have a a lot of drive I get bored really easily yeah so I mean after a year or two especially just starting out it'd be like one year into role even sometimes six months it's like what's my next thing um and had a lot of good opportunities to practice patience but also practice development personal development opportunities where I also learned quickly, you have to create your opportunities. Someone's not going to go out of their way to create them for you. Uh, so I think that really helped just me and my career kind of land where I am today, which is um, in learning and development, which falls within HR in most corporations. And um, now I'm in a leadership role, but I grew up in wearing every hat you can wear within the learning and development scope. So that works in consulting, it's designing, it's developing, it's using methodologies that have a blend of um, human resources, but also a blend of technology as well and bringing in agile principles. So uh, what I've really found is a really good blend of people, but also technology and design. So I get to leverage, I'm a Gemini, so I get to leverage a lot of different personalities. So I get to sometimes be a little bit of tech geek and then sometimes be a people person and then sometimes just be a creative um, in the zone, building something um, you know, artistic. So career-wise, it's just been really fun to see the different places you can go within HR and within learning and development and just kind of see where, where things end up there. And then personally, I have um, I grew up as a middle child, or I say the middle child because I'm the middle child in my, my dad's second marriage. He's currently married to my mom. Um, I have two older half-siblings from his first marriage who are 10 years older than me. And so most of our age differences at the time that I had with them growing up, they were um, either in high school when I was kids. So I usually um, am not technically the middle child when you count all the kids. But uh, when you look at the years spent with my oldest sibling, Rachel, and my youngest sibling, Matt um, or Matthew. I was going to say, that's yeah. not right. That's yeah, Matthew. It's Matthew. But like those under that household roof. Middle child. Gotcha. I mean, so like to the middle, and I give my parents so much crap about having middle child syndrome, and mm. they give me equally as much crap. We're definitely like a crap giving family to each other. Um, they give me each, equally as much crap as like there's no such thing as middle child syndrome. <laughs> However, case in point, this Easter of this year, they forgot to include me on the email invite about what the family <laughs> Easter plans were. <laughs> So I found out one week in advance what the family Easter plans were oh, so were finally like being added to the email. Multiple emails and everybody just assumes, oh, yeah, we're all in there. Multiple like email chains, definitely people responding. You can see the conversation of whose house is it going to be at? What are we going to be bringing? And then we finally got <laughs> added. Like, oh, we probably should include Tara and her husband and family in this. Yeah, not just you, but your core three people. And, like, you are not a Luddite. You are very tech-savvy. It's like you, right. you know how to check your email on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. You are a this ritual person. This wasn't like I just missed my email and it's been sitting there for weeks. Like, it, I, it was clear I could read the chain. The original email had come out weeks earlier from the moment I was carbon copied. They tried to it. just like reverse slide, slide in the DMs. In. Yeah, like just slide oh, her in right there. We're all having this conversation. And uh -huh. obviously, Tara, you've been here the whole time. That's, right, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My mom tried to play it off and she obviously failed. So, yeah. Um, and then speaking of my family, I'm married. My husband's name is Brett. We have an 11th month old at home and we have one on the way. They will be 14 months, 14 months apart. So she's due at the end of August. Very excited. Yeah. Very excited. I mean, just... Not not a lot going on. No, and clearly you were, you know, not busy at all. I didn't have to coordinate this with your schedule weeks in advance. And like <laughs> some people it's really fun to just be like, Hey, can you stop by tonight and record a thing? Totally no problem. And some people like in particular yourself, you're like, 
Yeah, boy, I have some open time this Tuesday next month or that. Actually, you know what? That Thursday that next month works too. I'm like, I will take that Thursday spot. We're holding to that. I'm, I'm pretty sure we first started talking at least two months ago. And I was like, I think after May, John, works really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I know that you and I can just pick up like dropping a needle on a record. It's just like, this is no problem at all. Like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We'll talk then. Okay. Yeah. So, and we've seen each other at plenty of stuff too that like um, your dad, Gary, if he's listening, Gary, hello, I will say this on record. You have the most impressive head of hair of anybody I've seen. It's just this <laughs> shock it. of thick, luxurious white hair that he just – always impressive. I don't even think he does a lot to to maintain or tame it. I think it's all genetics. No, I've asked him about this before. He's like, no, it's just, it's just how it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a quick ice. brush out of the shower mm-hmm. and he's done. Yeah. All of this being said about – you can see all my hand gestures that are for – the listening audience. Great hand gestures for everyone. Yes. I a lot of space work down mm-hmm. here. I've got it partitioned off. Really great. Um, were you were you raised Catholic? I was raised Catholic. Okay. Yes. There, Don't you find it interesting that when sometimes you ask people what religion they are, most people who are Catholic or were raised Catholic say I was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. but maybe don't say I am Catholic. That is a, you know what, there's a distinction on my most recent episode where Michelle said that she was a cradle Catholic, and I had oh. not heard that term I before. I'm not familiar with it either. Despite a lifetime of exposure to Catholicism, I've never heard that term. And I think that's because she is persisting to her adulthood with her Catholicism that she was not raised Catholic. She was and is raised Catholic, that she is a cradle Catholic to the present day. Interesting. I would wager, based on how much I know about you, this is actually a bit of a blank spot in our relationship in... I don't know if I've ever really talked to you about this kind of stuff. Uh -uh. Because, like, I would always... I definitely went through a phase in my mid to late 20s of, like, post-college get-togethers and stuff and like I would sit down with somebody and be like so you used to go to church what's that about like what tell me about that and like awkward intimate spiritual conversations with people at parties where it's like we're gonna do keg stands like get out of here what are you doing like this is we're still gonna play beer pong like we're having fun don't make this weird but I don't think you and I ever sat down and talked about this stuff because I was usually so excited to talk to you about like whatever movie we'd just seen or like you know, what game we were just playing because you are Mm -hmm. one of the few hardcore gamers in my adult life at the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. most people are just kind of like, yeah, that's kind of a thing I do, but you actively enjoy, like, you and your husband make this a priority of, like, we do this together, this is fun. Yes, we have two PlayStations so that we don't have to take turns. It's Frankly, that is just egalitarian. It's a practical solution to a marriage of, like, I want to do this, I want to do this, we have a finite resource. Number two. Exactly. (laughs) I like it. Um, But this is, like I said, this is a kind of a blank spot. I don't think, I mean, you spoke in, you give a very lovely speech at our rehearsal dinner at our wedding, and it was very personal, very touching, but there was nothing spiritual Mm -hmm. there. I don't Mm -hmm. think of any other experiences, like your wedding didn't strike me as particularly. We weren't married in a church. No. Same here. Wasn't spirit like there wasn't a pastor or father or any one over overseeding it that way and i don't think even our our like the re, like the ceremonious part of it was not religious either so. the language of it was just very like I not bet. not non-romantic but just practical and a bit grounded in that it's you know do you take this person to yes okay focused on more the love rather than the religious part of it mm-hmm. is that an intentional thing on your part do you shy away from that or is that something that just it's not particularly prominent in your world if that makes sense at our wedding it was very intentional i i mean i knew and even my husband now husband knew we both were not church going people so at that time we don't attend church regularly today um and we we just knew it wasn't for us and it didn't feel right to to do that out of falsehood. We wanted to make it more about us and about our relationship. But my my viewpoints on religion have really changed. I'd say it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs, ebbs and flows of where I'm at spiritually, not maybe not spiritually, but religiously since I since, you know, 
church and getting my first communion. Now, that's interesting to me that you would specifically put it in that order of religiously, not spiritually, because so yes. many people, it's the cliche of, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You particularly are looking at this from the religion angle. Is yes. that right? Yeah. And I actually, I blame, I blame sociolo- sociology, but. Oh, I love those courses. I know. So, because growing up, you know, as a kid, I hated going to church on Sundays. I hated going to religion classes on Wednesday. I mean, we did the full gamut besides Catholic school. Uh, we did the full gamut Sundays church, Wednesdays re- religion religion night, and several friends actually, f- for sure one friend who has been on the podcast attended Wednesday the same church as me, and we, we went to religion class on Wednesday night together. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it Katie Liscalzo? You guessed it. What yes. up, Katie? So Katie, yeah, what up, Kate's um, my friend. Katie and I were we're really like great students, right? We're good, really good kids. We grew into great teenagers, obviously, clearly great adults. Um, and we always had good heads on our shoulders and never were troublemakers in school or, or anything like that. But um, in church, religion class, I mean, we'd skip religion class our parents would <laughs> our parents would drop us off and that, this wasn't even this wasn't like a consistent thing but there were a few times where our parents would drop us off and there was like two levels to the church where the classrooms were and we just wouldn't go to our classroom we'd like either walk around or just hang out on the first level and i mean it's 45 minutes to an hour so you didn't have a ton of you didn't have like a ton of time to waste well today that's like a lifetime without cell phones but um so we would just not go and then we'd We'd get picked up and then go home. Now, again, that didn't happen all the time. There was just a few occasions where it was like we this... really were rebelling and refusing to go at that point. This may as well have been you buying heroin as a child. This is so out of character for you, <laughs> yeah, of like skipping so, a class. Of... So out of character for us because yeah. we were both straight-A students, uh-huh. um, played sports, you know, really dedicated to sports. Just good. We were good kids. And most of this happened when we were older. You know, I'm not a third grader skipping out on my classes here. But um, – yeah, I mean, in high school, it definitely got to the point where we were really rebelling. Um, and I say we, but it, it was, it, I very well know it was also me. There was, Katie, you did not peer pressure me into anything. We'll put that on the record. Um, <laughs> and in high school, I still was, I mean, I was part of Young Life and it came to school. So I still like had, it wasn't necessarily the, the lack of like spiritualism or even, even at that point, religion. I think it was just, the rules and maybe even the church we had gone to or were going to at the time. Because I remember Katie and I even, I guess Katie and I had like a lot of church-related activities in high school. We went to the same summer camp. um, And then we ended up switching churches um, our kind of, I think it was our senior year, where we got confirmed at a different Catholic church and just had a better experience. So I think that um, that helped just because they had either a better youth group program or, or something like that. It's tough when you try to encourage a kid to be, in, as an experienced parent of a two-year-old, yes. to try to encourage a kid to gravitate towards a thing, to immerse or to expose a child to a culture and not just make them sick of it. You know, there yeah. are a number of people, there are a number of people in my own family who, it's like it skips a generation. Like your parents are super religious, and as a result, they try to encourage you in a in a particularly heavy-handed way. And as a result, you kind of pull back from it. You still get a lot of exposure to it, especially the dogma and the rules and the practicality mm-hmm. to it. But it, you get kind of a second sense of it of like not just being in it, but also being aware of like, yeah, but what if I stepped away and didn't didn't care about any of this? Yeah. Um, has that stuck with you at all as you've gotten older like the typical delineation point is when people kind of get off to college or into early adulthood i'll jump into college here in a second but before i get in there the interesting thing that you just referenced is so i went in i went to this other church was confirmed my brother my younger brother ended up staying at our current church and getting confirmed through our current church you know a year or two after me my older sister she's a year and year year and a half older than me never got confirmed at all Really? So it was interesting that there was different levels of flexibility. I look back now, I'm like, well, maybe I just didn't put my foot down uh, enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or maybe I just wanted to, I was so close, I just wanted to, quote, unquote, finish the process in in the Catholic Church and become confirmed. Troublesome middle child, you just wanted to get it done, get it out, wherever it happens. Right. And it should be noted as well, also a Gemini, also a middle child. 
rock on. Mm-hmm. Um, so college, like again, another interesting like roller coaster. Um, Hamline University. Hamlin University, yes, go Pipers, and um, had a great. I'd say the first year. I don't. I think I was probably the same in high school. Like just didn't didn't attend church regularly because now I didn't have to. Um, and and in high school, my my parents had less and less rigor to us attending church and probably less willpower to, you know, choose their battles with teenagers. But um, I think it was my sophomore, my junior year, where I, interesting enough, I started picking up more of my my sociology courses mm. that I started to get heavily involved in um, a church closer to Hamlin or just outside of Hamlin. Uh, not Catholic, but had a really strong youth group. I had known some people who um, were youth pastors there who um, had met through Young Life who were looking for more like youth leaders. Um, and I had come come in. I, that sophomore year especially, I remember spending a lot of the year on Sunday evenings, they had their youth group nights. And it was really strong youth program. It was really fun, great people. Um much more modern type of church than what I had been used to Mm. um, in that Catholic church growing up. Uh, And so I just really migrated or really was just drawn to that and that energy and just those people and feeling really good. I felt really connected and really spiritual. I became a leader at one of their camps, I think, that year. Um, We, you know, took a bus down to Florida. So it was just a great experience. But then I also remember the second year I was with that, so my junior year, I started feeling myself transition out. So I don't know if it was sociology, just kind of becoming your own in college at that time anyway, and really trying to think, I think those were, that was like a really, those were the years I really was able to start figuring out who am I, what are my beliefs, not because I have to do this or I'm told to do this way, or this is what I believe the right thing is. It was more of, here's truly what I want for myself. And um, it just didn't feel natural to me. Um, I don't know how else to describe it. There wasn't negative thoughts about Christianity. There wasn't negative thoughts about spirituality and my beliefs. I think it still came back to the rigor and the routines didn't feel like I was connected or drawn to them. Um, and maybe now a good way to describe it is is rules because as an adult, um, we, I mean, my husband and I, we barely attend services even during holidays. Most of that's most of that's because we're traveling or in the car going from St. Cloud back to Minnetonka, and, and really, it's, it's an hour drive if anyone's not, <laughs> not local. From, yeah. Get a lot <laughs> um, of Minnesota downloads. I think and you're typically, okay. when each of our families do do services that we would attend if we were able to spend the whole day with them, it's during that trans that transportation time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also never felt like we've needed to it's like we don't we don't forget the meaning of christmas we we understand why we're celebrating but we we don't it's not like a lack of appreciation it's more of we don't feel the need to have to attend a church or follow a set of rules or routines set forth by these are my words by a bunch of men you know, years ago, put into a book to dictate what we should and should not do. I just feel like when I think of God or my God, that's that's not what what feels right to me. Okay. There's a couple of different things that I want to touch back on there, but while we're here at this juncture point, knowing that about your present state or kind of, you know, dovetailing from those parts of your life into now what do you think happens when we die so we already told you i already discussed we're gemini's john right Mm -hmm. so you know i've got two scenarios here Mm -hmm. um and i i firmly believe one but there's always that voice that tells me there could be this other one so i'll start with the other one because that's the scarier one and that one is nothing you, you'd pass and you are like, well, nothing, but you're still in a level of consciousness. And I always pictured it in space, but you're in just dark, <laughs> you're in darkness. It's because you think space is cool. Like the just... equivalent would be you are, you know, 
like not tethered into your equipment out in outer space and you're just stuck in space spinning or wherever forever. And so like they're like the scary like version that. of death is just you are stuck in this emblem of darkness, completely alone, completely in solitude for the rest of eternity. That's like scary version of death of well, I don't want that to happen. Yeah, being cast out of your own skull and right. like being awake while you're dreaming but not having a dream. Exactly. Like you're there, you're inhabiting nothingness forever. Yet that sounds like hell. Doesn't it? Right? Yeah. That sounds, sounds very not bad. That sounds, sounds very not good. <laughs> not good. No, super scary to think about. I mean, the stuff of nightmares basically. Um, and I don't truly believe that. That's like that's that's the thing I'm like that's the what if. I'm like, well, it could be that. Um, I don't know. Um, so there's always that thought in my mind of like, there's that chance. <laughs> you never know. Hey, existential horror forever <laughs> into the unknown. But, exactly. you know, waffles tomorrow morning. Right, waffles. Yum. Um, but the where I really fall and um, is, and you can call it whatever you want. You can call it heaven. I just call it like this place of spiritual happiness. And, it, and that, that place of just a, like that, that is nothing but pure joy is what I truly think happens where you feel comfort, you feel joy, you see the loved ones. And I always say it, I always describe it as like you are with the loved ones who've passed in either the moments you remember them or the moments that that joy you'd want them to be in. So let's say if it's like, I was thinking of like Game of Thrones and like Khaleesi um, and um, Khal Drogo, you know, it's like, she lost her baby. I've lost two babies. And it's one of those things of like, well, would I go to this place and get to meet these babies as they would be? And would they be actual babies? Would they be kids running around? Um, you know, that's that's what I think of is like, do you really do you really see the people you love in the moment that they left? Like in some comedies where people are literally showing up to the gates of heaven in their underwear? Or do you get to see them in those moments that capture the joy and those memories that you want to experience? And it can it can change consistently and frequently. So I just consider it peace and I consider it calming when I really think of that picture um, and being with the ones you love. And that to me feels a lot better than the things of nightmare um, when I look at the more pessimistic version. But um, yeah, I just, that, that's like the true belief that I have. Somewhere between those two, you kind of find yourself flipping back and forth of like, it's all going to be the most amazing gravy train of like, look at how great this is, or just possibly the worst possible form of existence, like yeah. solitary confinement of the right. soul. Forever. And maybe I tell myself that so I'm not disappointed if it like becomes the gates of, the gates of darkness. Well, I suppose you could look at it from the perspective of... <clears throat> here's what I hope it to be. At worst, here's what it could be. I have these parameters. I got to walk between those because that's about all I can picture as far as extremes of... Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yep, I, think that's ex- I think that's exactly how I'd describe it is it's like, I'm hoping for this one, but I'm mentally preparing myself for it could be anything. Middle child syndrome. Boy, it'd be pretty great if we all got along. Right. Oh boy, I think everybody's gonna be fighting all the time. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So do you, can we talk at all about the babies you lost? Absolutely. How, um, what would you like to tell people about it? I like to share as openly as I can, at least when I'm asked about it. I've had two miscarriages and those were all bef- those are both before physically they were not they were traumatic miscarriages but they were also common as what i was told by the doctors so certainly nothing unique that no other woman um, or couple listening to this podcast right now um, who've had a miscarriage likely experienced what what i experienced and my husband and i experienced and it's hard it's hard to tell yourself it happens for a reason and your babies pick you and you you, know, you kind of go through all of the the different things that people tell you or that you your doctor tells you and you still you get through it but it's still a, a grief process and you grieve with it differently because a life that's not born that's lost is is perceived differently um in the outside world yeah correct me if i'm wrong they were f- 
fairly early on, correct? Those ones were, yep, both okay. early on. So you hadn't had, if my recollection is correct, you hadn't had a ton of time to properly, you hadn't had a chance to really acclimate to the reason I will cringe about asking this in the future is because uh, it's a it's nothing that I as a man can effectively weigh in on like I can recognize the sheer amount of absurd privilege that I have in not being required to weigh in on that that doesn't remove me from the discussion of it because frankly it's a human right that Mm -hmm. we need to be able to talk about this and um I think what gets so so often lost in the conversation is nobody's stoked about this you know I seeing what you went through and frankly how how you can feel for somebody and be so at a loss for how to offer sympathy or condolence or support Mm -hmm. because it's so similar to what I'm doing here we just don't talk about it yeah um and I talked to somebody today who uh, dealt with a very early childhood scare with their child and the survivor's guilt that they have for seeing other parents whose children didn't make it or just the fact that their child gets to be here and alive a year later. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's amazing that we can have what we perceive to be a successful outcome like 100% here we go we got a person that could not have gone better and yet you will still feel a whole multiverse of feelings and things to deal with and try to wrangle for the rest of your life and people will try to reduce this down to this are you being selfish or not like that's not I would wager that's not what's happening and I wanted to make sure that you, as somebody who have been through the core of that issue without walking directly into the lion's den of it, that you be given a voice to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. And if you obviously feel uncomfortable with this at any point in the future, I can certainly take this out. We'll always have that right to be able to do so. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. I really, yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to trick you to come down here just no. to talk about that. But that that's something that I know that's personal to you that's yes. unique to your story that I want to be able to make sure that we can share so yeah. thank you for doing so of that course. means a lot um did you also know since you speak of lo- like loss of a child or closely loss of a child I have an older sister I haven't met no so older than my sister Rachel really um Larissa was her name born two years before Rachel and she um survived I think a day or just days uh, she had a, a chromosome issue but she was born and then passed so um, I don't know if that's any if it's if you'd look at that as different or the same and maybe there's no comparison that's needed but it's still just one of those things of when I when I shared of that place of either heaven or joy or just ultimate peace and comfort I often often imagine myself, Meeting, meeting my sister. Okay. Yeah. I'm, one again. I'm I'm sorry that that has to be the case, but I'm I'm glad that you seem to have found a place where you can accept some of the piece of the the circumstance that we're in. That you're mm-hmm. able to at least exist within this and say this is not something that I'm, you know, clasping my hands together wishing I could change all the time that this is something that you're kind of at peace with and yeah hopefully you get to and I'm sorry that's that's got to be I don't know yeah and we don't have to include this in there but I always feel like sometimes you always feel bad even sharing stuff like that because it wasn't I'll even say on the flip side I have a cousin who passed away when he was six and I was oh Jesus I think he was six and I was around seven or eight at the time. Oh, whoa. Um, and so I'm, we were really, I mean, these were, we're Italian, so we're very close with our cousins. Yeah. Um, and I just think of his older sister, um, so my, my cousin, and just, of course, my, well, t- technically because we're Italian, there's like, they're like my second or third cousins, but I call them my aunt and my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, just the loss that, they've gone through as parents and especially now as a parent 
and knowing how they were able to move forward from that, not move on, but move forward um, in their lives from that. And um, so I, I often sometimes hold back from sharing my own stories because I know other people have experienced loss or greater loss hmm. than than I have. And sometimes I always feel bad discussing any of that out loud because you know someone's experienced something worse. Yeah, I hear that. And I, I can sympathize with that. Um, it's been interesting for me to experience fatherhood in the ways it's changed how I perceive pop culture for one Mm -hmm. like uh, lots of things involving kids I simply absolutely cannot do anymore like I I I don't think I will ever watch the movie A Quiet Place just from what I know of the opening of the movie and don't watch it right so I don't watch it I just can't do that but at the same time my my empathy towards other parents and any parent I've dealt with or met now I just think of so much differently having had a little person that I'm in charge of somebody that more and more every day comes online and like is connecting pieces of like she came home from daycare and was like I have an orange like look I haven't like you know you have an orange like Mm -hmm. she gets that yeah and it's just I've had people tell me stories about their kids getting sick and then getting better and sat there just weeping as they're telling me and they're like I'm sorry that you know I'm upsetting you so much no 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 that's I'm not I'm not upset I'm just I'm feeling for you like yeah I'm this is just I'm I'm sorry you had to deal with that because I know that that's just how painful and helpless that must feel so it's not and those two things coupled with the notion that I don't think it would be beneficial to many people if any to push this all down and to not talk about it anymore I think that's why we got a lot of it's one of many reasons there was so much marital discord up until the um propagation of divorce you know like mm-hmm. they're meaning tamping down on problems and not talking about them doesn't seem to help them go away talking about things and working through them gives people an outlet to do so and i like to vainly think that what we're doing here is important work that it like is. but it's <laughs> you know we're not if we don't do this the similar way to i think it might have been I don't think it was Brene Brown. Somebody said creativity that is not nurtured metastasizes. And I always thought that, like, if you don't exercise a creative muscle, it just kind of withers a little bit. But, like, mm-hmm. no, it metastasizes into a cancer. That yeah. I think just having secrets and having pain that you're just keeping within you can really mm-hmm. just eat at your personhood and just yes. grow into something cancerous and painful inside of you that – I don't know. I know I'm too open for my own good sometimes. I know that I'm too willing to accept fault or look at, you know, like, well, how can I change myself? How can I work on yeah. myself to improve that? But, like, that's because I believe that is a, that's one of those things I really advocate is talking with people about this stuff. So, well, And I think a lot of people would – I don't know where I'm going with this, but I think a lot of people would think that I'd be – I'm an optimist. Mm. But I'm actually, like, I always say the glass is half empty. Like, I truly always think of the worst thing possible <laughs> first. And I have essentially coached and taught myself to be more positive and to be more optimistic because of seeing what internally that cancer can create in your mind and just the discomfort and pain it can cause you internally until you let it go and until you focus on the positive and the outcome. And that's that practicality and just gumption that you have of like if we were all told like you could be on the moon someday if you just took two steps forward every day you would be the first person like it's two steps why would i not go to the moon look at this one two done for the day i can do this tomorrow take two more like you just have that attitude of if it's possible and i can choose to do it why would i not choose to do this i'm gonna throw my hat over the wall and go chase after it like Mm -hmm. i'm going to go get this like I was always baffled by the fact that I could languish in a job for, like, several years and kind of, like, get the hang of it and figure it out. Like, oh, this is kind of how it looks, and well, I should probably start looking for something new. And in that time, you've had planned and executed three or four different career moves where it's like, how? This is what you do, though. You train. Yeah. You educate. You grow. This is you 
as a meta context of like, I both do this and I train people to do this and yeah. I grow and I make others grow. Well, and now that I'm in more of a leadership role or ha- I have been in the last few years, it's it's been fun because I still do it to myself. Like don't, there is my own internal development plan that is still actively in motion. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, Uploading new files. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but now I get to help others with their own development where for some it still comes naturally to them and they're really great at go-getting. I just had a member of my team get a promotion, which sucks for me as their leader because they were awesome, but is amazing for them and exactly what I I want for them. Um, uh, And so it's just been great to be able to encourage that development for others. And not everyone wants to develop upward and onward onto the next thing. Um, So it's also looking at, well, how can you still develop you know, in role or within, you know, within just yourself in, in your current place. And so I, I just, I've, I've always been a believer of, you know, don't stay in one one place just because you don't have to actually take a step forward or step, step up the ladder doesn't mean you shouldn't continuously grow. Uh, so it's actually like professionally, it's been uh, interesting to be able to, to try to help others now hmm. in, in that space as well. Do you, can you say at all from your side of the table whether corporations and higher ups are aware? And this is where I'm looking when I'm thinking all the time. Okay. <laughs> just, I'm like, I should make eye contact. <laughs> when corporations are doing all the training and stuff for people and all of the like educational continuing ed stuff and like training for the. Are people being gamed as much as I would suspect when I was in the corporate world of like. Do you guys know all the ins and outs of how people are anticipated to do? Like, have you gotten a sense of like, oh, we got this all figured out. And if we tell these dummies to just click this button, everybody's going to be very happy going for Like, <laughs> how screwed are we as the American hamster wheel occupants? You're not screwed. No. But what's interesting is. That's just what they would tell every you Every problem. This is the joke in training or learning and development is that every problem can be fixed with the training. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, that feels so dirty. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's just, we we say a joke. There are some very serious matters that do end up getting fixed with trainings. But um, most of the time, the biz, that's what the business answer is immediately. And once you actually dig in, you do a gaps analysis and you, you really put, put the work into determining what that needs assessment actually is. You can find out that there are situations where training is the answer. And then there are also situations where it's, it's not something else is and sometimes that's still the learning development group helping you with it or sometimes it's a a different group (sighs) and then it just depends on how good your learning and development consultants or business partners depending on how your company's structured how good they are at consulting with that business on on have they gotten what they want or has the business just been able to yeah get their request I'm very curious about it because I think of it kind of as the insidious flip side to marketing where like the best kind is to make sure that you never even perceive it like the most naturalistic way. Like I went to Ikea today and the entire time I was like just trying to see behind the rides at Disneyland of like where the hell am I going in this store? Like, I'm following the path. I can see the map. And I'm like, all right, so this is just a warehouse. If this, all this is is just a big box, but they're making me go through this. And it's the same thing yeah. with corporations and what you do that I just think like. I wish, I wish learning and development had that together. Mm. Maybe you're giving us too much credit. I don't I feel, don't I don't feel like it's, I, I don't feel like it's like what marketing can do. Because I will. That's deceptively on brand and <laughs> clever messaging to make sure we don't think you've got the power. We don't have any power. Sure. Yeah. No. We've never been at war with. Okay. <laughs> um, complete jumping tracks. It sounds like, from what we've talked about so far, that you would say that there is more to our existence than just being a meat puppet. Yes. Would you say that we're some kind of, do you think that we're an eternal being? Do you think that there's a soul there? Absolutely. 100%. Really? Yeah. Um, any particular thing you would point to besides here's the soul? Like anything that you would point to of like what makes you think that your experience with animals, you're a huge animal lover, I know, mm-hmm. that just interactions with other living things or just you're an intrinsic sense of like there's got to be more than this or is there any particular thing that you think of? I just... I, I mean, there's the obvious of if you've seen an animal or even a human pass, you see the moment 
when, and I shouldn't say like I've only seen it really in movies, but I've seen the, I've seen <laughs> I've, the actual seen moment. thousands but, die. You know, what I've, did you do? I've been you know I've I've seen someone who's deceased before. You know yeah. I've seen deceased family members before, um, and I don't just mean like in their casket. Like I've seen them at the moment of passing. Yeah. Um, I just may not have seen the transition. Right. But. I imagine how the movies portray it. It's very similar, and in those in those moments of transition, you you see truly the the life leaving the body. Yeah, there's a spark in the eye that there goes. is, and I've I don't think I've read it, but I I just remember having some of these conversations, you know, just throughout life or whatnot. There, someone referencing some study or, or something that was done of, um you know, the body loses like X amount of grams or something when... Seven grams or something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, which I thought was interesting too. And I don't, I mean, I'm not the analytical-minded type person. I don't need the scientific proof to to be able to believe that. I go for more of a feeling um, and also more of the, the emotions behind it. Like even animals, um, I get really sad when I see like animals who've been hit by cars on the side of the road. Um, or even if like I see one in my driveway, like a frog that I've accidentally run over in my driveway and, and I get really guilty. Um, but, uh, you just see life in them and in their day to day and in their actions. And we live in our, where our yard is. We, we see life, wildlife constantly during the day. We've got muskrats. We've got swans on our lake this year. We've got tons of, um, waterfowl and of course the usual <laughs> rabbits and squirrels we even have an opossum and <laughs> so it's um the the life whether you view it as positive or or negative um like bugs my least favorite it's still it's still beaming with energy and beaming with with motion and truly with life and i i just think when that is gone there is you, you see like you just can like the feeling of life is is that blankness it's missing that something has passed and is no more in that existence of that body or whatever remains are there <laughs> so here's where we take the turn then so what's your stance on ghosts totally believe in them scariest thing ever because you can't fight them <laughs> I'm pumping my arms in the air. This is Tara. Of course, it's me. What do you oh, think? Yeah. God, yes. This They're is, real. Mm, this that has never lined up better for anybody of. Like, oh really? Do, oh, what's your, how do you do? You feel we have a soul? Yeah, I think we do. And then kind of like do people think ghosts? Well, not really. Like no, hundred percent. They're 100%. real. And we can't fight them. They don't. You can't punch them. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Oh my god, that's I exactly mean, how it is. I'm. That's what I'm gonna have to like if I ever get a ghost or if you know heaven forbid this is where it gets really scary if it's like this is where religion comes back in and spirituality if it gets to be like a demon you know oh that's when it's <laughs> that's when it gets really scary not just because i have to like get to like my like my catholic roots and like get a, like a priest in there to really help me with it but that's the part where i get the most scared like rosemary's baby scary like that's mm. scary the first paranormal activity had me shook. I was so scared. Like, I saw that in a theater full of, like, screaming teenagers, and I was so rattled by that. And I was an adult. I was in my 20s. I still have nightmares as an adult watching horror movies like that. Because I truly, like, I then walk around my house expecting closing my my mirror after brushing my teeth or something, and I'm going to see the scary ghost face or Mm -hmm. something. (laughs) <laughs> or the noises my house makes when it's like the settling noises, that's a ghost. Yeah. You know, and I have to make sure my husband reassures me it's the house settling. You're fine. Yeah. I've had to get very comfortable just reassuring my wife of, nope, that's just, it's really cold outside. That's yeah. all that is. I'm, I will get up and go look for it. It's just the house. Right. Like, I really hope it's just the house. It's totally right. just the house. It's just the house. Uh, do you keep your Catholicism in your back pocket as kind of a, like, in case anything happens, break glass and, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy oh, name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and that's sort of like I'm not, I, I'm not. Maybe it's like Catholicism is one thing, but like Christianity, like I don't ever want to be perceived as like just because we don't attend service, like we 
I'm using that as my protection against ghosts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm maintaining my Christianity and belief in there Christ happens Jesus to be this overlapping benefit of the benefit to save me from a ghost on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do I do talk to God. I do pray. I do, oh, do. I do practice. Um, I I actually probably besides pray I actually probably thank God more than more than anything else daily on the daily mm-hmm. one of the first people I think have said that that that's yeah. the thing that you do and I like that very much I, I am constantly just thanking God for e- like either the daily basics or my family or, or just anything I'm, I'm constantly practicing that gratitude it's kind of a nice inversion of anxiety or dread that like you're so aware of how bad things could be that you're just always grateful for like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to do this. I told you I was a pessimist, right? Because all I keep thinking about is there's no way people can be happy or like really like like, I consider myself a very happy person and I just keep thinking something bad's about to happen. So I better be thankful and grateful for what I have. And that's really morbid to think about it like that. But I I that's just what the natural pessimist in me my mind always goes to every time I say goodbye to Brett and I leave or he leaves it's always that millisecond thought that it's the last time I'm gonna see him and maybe everyone has that thought I don't know but um, no, I, I get that I said I get that with a lot of people actually yeah like, and that was the last time he ever like no well I love you yeah um, exactly is that I've become keenly aware of how bad my own anxiety and um, worst assumptions can be. It's because the mind is on a biological level very good at telling us scary stories. Like It is designed and evolved to tell us the worst possible outcomes so that we're prepared for it. But there's no leopards down here. There's no faces to see in the patterns. So when that when that skill becomes untethered and unoccupied, it can make some really horrible shit up that you just otherwise would never, like, to have those concerns is very normal and not the sign of a damaged mind. Like, intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. The idea of, well, what if I what if I do walk off that edge? Like, that's okay. Let that thought come in. Mm-hmm. Let it exist so your mind can say, it would do this. That's bad. Don't do that. That's what you're trying to get to let that thought back out yeah you know that's part of working your way through anxiety but then i also have a prescription for xanax so what am i to say about (laughs) dealing with i just want to press the button and just shut up brain stop (laughs) uh have you seen ghosts have you dealt with ghosts at all um the fact that you pause there at all makes me think no i i'm gonna because i want to say no but i'm trying to think i mean i played the ouija game before Mm, keep that dave a lot of my house yeah and let's just say there's always some kid joking but i was the believer of like no there was the ghost named gary who's also my dad's name so that's weird yeah um and probably uncreative of the kid who i was playing with who made it up (laughs) (laughs) um there's a ghost named gary and for the week after playing ouija i was just like pretending the ghost named Gary was like hanging out with me in the house so um but I I really don't think I've ever actually had an encounter or um have seen one good that I can at least recall I'm staunchly in that court of like if that never happens I'm just fine I'm just fine yeah I've I've imagined it to happen or been prepared for it to happen countless times mm-hmm. but thankfully knock on wood very cool May it never happen. May it May never. the devil never darken your doorstep. Um, anything in particular you'd like to share with the audience or just put out there to the world of, you know, read this book or, like, use your blinker more or anything that you want to just put out to the world to say, I want more people to know about this. Not to put you on too fine of a well, spot, but just... I'd love to tell people, like, just freaking zipper merge already. Oh, um, we're Minnesota. We're never going to get it. But, um... We're yeah, too nice. We're just never gonna get it. But truly, I mean, you know, you've you've kind of mentioned a lot about just who I am as like someone who's constantly either, you know, pushing themselves to continue to grow or looking for that next thing or just never letting themselves be comfortable. And I think what I would like to share is that pessimist versus optimist piece that I referenced earlier of just because you are in a bad situation or 
um, because you're having those negative thoughts or because you're imagining the worst situation um, and it happens more consistently for yourself, it doesn't mean you can't turn it around. Um, I'm probably phrasing this all wrong. Let me try to think. It's not that you want to tell a depressed person to, hey, cheer up, but if you never try to have a positive outlook, it's going to be damn hard to ever turn that ship around. I guess I guess what I want to say is, like, to the people who are the woe-is-me people, buck up, buttercup. Like, just buck up because everyone's got something going on in their life, um, whether it's a traumatic loss like death that they're they're dealing with close to them or it's um, trying to start a family, like, with something that I was going with, um, or it's um something something completely else could be work related could be health related um everyone has the crap that they're dealing with and that is a true statement um and we all find our way or most of us can find our way past it and i just encourage those of you who are are trying to move past it but maybe struggling to just give yourself a pep talk or find someone to help you through it um and keep moving I didn't mean for that to sound so serious. I meant it for it to be more fun. Maybe I, can, <laughs> uh, maybe I can go back to it again and buck up, Buttercup. Because I like, because I like, I like to say buck up, Buttercup, but I like to, I want it to be more reference to fun stuff. And I was like, oh gosh, hmm. I got deeper. Uh, you, uh, don't. Mm. I feel like if we brainstormed long enough, we could really come up with a pithy little thing. But really, buck up, Buttercup. That's about as firm as you are. Yeah. It's also got some poppy kind of. You got flowers yeah. in no, there. No, I still want to say that, but it's I punchy, felt like it's I just. Pithy. No. I don't know. Like I kept. T- I think I took it too far. Like not too far, but like too long almost. Mm. And it got to be like. That's the education in you. You want to really, really I get your I whole lesson explain, plan I can't out explain there. it that much. It doesn't need to. Be. <laughs> so if you have enough where you can like cut it out, or if you want me to just try it again. I can do that too. Awesome. Tara, thank you so much. This has been great. Oh, thanks, John. This has been fun. Mm-hmm.